You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. The commitment to build a pipeline in 2018 when we're in climate crisis is a crime against future generations, and I will not be part of it. Federal Green Party leader Elizabeth May led away by RCMP today after joining protesters at the Kinder Morgan site in Burnaby. Good evening and thanks for joining us. May, one of two MPs standing strong with demonstrators opposing the construction of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. The NDP's Kennedy Stewart was also arrested for violating a court injunction to keep protesters back from the site. Keith Baldry has more on how this day of action unfolded. Politicians aren't supposed to break the law, but today two federal MPs showed up at BC's number one protest camp on Burnaby Mountain to do just that. To amplify the voice of my constituents. Kennedy Stewart of the NDP and Green Party leader Elizabeth May both wanted to make a statement about their opposition to the Kinder Morgan pipeline expansion. I will not step aside. I will not take any more shortcuts to telling the truth. As the inevitable run-in with the police unfolded, the predictable media circus caught every moment. Arrests for violating a court injunction have been happening here for some time now. And any other person having notice of this order are hereby restrained. But two politicians joining the battle assured more attention. It's outrageous what this Prime Minister is doing to my community in the British Columbia. I believe very strongly that the permits that were issued to Kinder Morgan did not represent a proper process. Anti-pipeline protests also took place outside a federal Liberal MP's constituency office in Vancouver. Near a federal NDP MP's office in Victoria. And protesters tried to occupy Kinder Morgan's offices in Calgary. But ground zero for the anti-Kinder Morgan protest remains Burnaby Mountain. You're an MP and you're defying the laws of the land. What do you say about that? This is Justin Trudeau's fault. He's pushed us to this point. Stewart and May were cited for civic contempt and have a June 14th court appearance. They are also not supposed to defy the injunction again. I've always believed that you stand on principle, you stand on evidence, and you follow your conscience more than the pre precepts of what others around you may may want you to do. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria now with more. And Keith, we've seen about a hundred arrests now, mm -hmm. a little over that, and there seems to be no sign of the resistance weakening. No, and it won't for some time, Chris. And already comparisons are being made to the landmark Clackwood Sound logging protests in 1993 that saw 932 people arrested. So uh, the Kinder Morgan people have a long ways to go to match Clackwood Sound. But here's a big uh, key difference. Clackwood Sound was in a remote uh, place on western Vancouver Island, a very hard place to get to. Yet almost 1,000 people went there to get arrested. Uh, Burnaby Mountain, that protest camp there, you can basically take the Sky Train there and walk up. So it's much more accessible. And I think you're going to see a lot more people be arrested throughout the proverbial long and hot summer. Uh, get ready for some uh, continued arrests at that number one protest campus. There's a lot of people in Metro Vancouver who can make the easy trip to the line and perform their act of civil disobedience. I think they're going to dwarf the numbers we saw in Clockwood. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. One of three men wanted in connection with an attack on a man with autism in Ontario has been arrested. 21-year-old Parmvir Singh Chahil is facing one count of aggravated assault. Ruminadea has more on his arrest and who was arrested with him. 
This video captured national headlines. A 29-year-old autistic man beaten at a bus terminal in Mississauga for no apparent reason. Days after the attack, police in Ontario have arrested a BC man. We received numerous tips uh, from British Columbia and uh, local. 21-year-old Parmveer Singh Chahil of Abbotsford was arrested at his mother's home in Windsor. He's facing one count of aggravated assault. The arrest occurred today and uh, Windsor police assisted us with the arrest of all three parties. Chahil's brother and mother have also been arrested. 18-year-old Harmanveer Chahil is facing one count of accessory after the fact. 44-year-old Hardeep Pada is facing the same charge. Both are from Windsor. They have been released on a promise to appear in an Ontario courtroom in May. Parmvir Chahil has a criminal past, including charges of uttering threats and possession of a weapon, dating back to 2015. Reports indicate the case resulted in a peace bond. He was reportedly the target of a shooting in Abbotsford in 2015, where an innocent grandfather, 74-year-old Ping Shunao, was killed after he was hit by a stray bullet. The second suspect in the Ontario incident, 25-year-old Ranjot Singh Dami of Surrey, is still wanted on a Canada-wide warrant for one count of aggravated assault. He also has a criminal resume, including a conviction for assault with a weapon. In 2014, Kelowna police accused him of smuggling fentanyl, heroin and cocaine in his rectum. The charges were ultimately thrown out. Dami's lawyer tells Global News his client is innocent and he plans to turn himself in. The arrangements uh, right now is that he will be turning himself in on Monday. The third suspect has not been identified. Police believe he goes by the name Jason and could also be from B.C. Romina Dea, Global News. A mother of four struck when a driver went on a rampage in Maple Ridge last month has now died. Kelly Sandoval and her son were hurt February 1st when the driver of a black truck drove erratically, eventually smashing into a bus stop at 240th Street and Dudney Trunk Road. Sandoval was hit and rushed to hospital, but Global News has learned she passed away earlier this week. The driver, a 34-year-old man, is currently facing charges of impaired driving and hit and run. But RCMP say the investigation remains active. Friends and family are raising money for Sandoval's husband and four boys aged between 5 and 16. Questions tonight about how effective the province's soon-to-be upgraded intersection cameras will be to slow down speeders. Right now, offenders will be issued a ticket. But Ted Chernecki tells us why critics call it a cash cow that will do little to change driver behavior. There they are, those red light cameras that are soon to become what critics call photo radar 2.0. The government has already admitted that if you're speeding through an intersection on a green light, you will be ticketed. It's a way for the government to collect revenue by taxing people who own vehicles while doing this under this guise of public safety when it's not a public safety issue. And then there's the question about what photo radar 2.0 will accomplish. Those who've looked at the numbers claim not much. If those cameras were supposed to force drivers to modify their behavior, there isn't much evidence that that is happening. There's 120,000 crashes per year occurring at intersections. Fast forward today and we still have 120,000 uh, crashes occurring at intersections. Um, so there's no evidence that these cameras have done anything that they were promised to do. In a statement, 
The Solicitor General's office confirms that there will be no application of penalty points or driver risk premiums as the driver is not identified within the violation. The solution is to ticket the drivers, to have actual police presence at intersections and to have them standing there handing out tickets to the drivers who violate the law. It's not difficult to do, it's just a matter of putting the funding into the policing rather than into the equipment that eliminates the policing. While the number of more serious T-bone collisions may drop at a known red light camera intersection, there is some evidence that rear end collisions actually increase as drivers slam on the brakes. Tetranaki Global News. While on the subject of speed, the installation of variable speed limit signs to improve safety along several B.C. highways seemed to be out of sync yesterday. The signs adjust the posted speed based on conditions, or at least they're supposed to. But as Paul Johnson is about to show us, that is not always the case. A terrible midwinter pileup earlier this year on the Coquihalla. A reminder that when weather and traffic combine in the wrong way, this particular highway can show no mercy. It's part of the reason why the Coquihalla is wired into BC's state-of-the-art variable speed limit system, where a network of cameras and sensors tracks information about traffic and weather in real time. And controllers at a management center in Coquitlam can then adjust speed limits accordingly. So what was going on yesterday on the Coke when a storm blew in, conditions plummeted, yet our cameras found the variable speed limit still up at 120 kilometers per hour? I think it's a good idea. James Cooper is an independent transportation safety consultant. Yesterday's weather condition, and I was up on the Coquihalla at the time, changes incredibly rapidly. Inclement weather moves in, the road conditions deteriorate, we get snow, and they just don't have time. Today, an operations manager with the Ministry of Transportation told Global News that the variable speed limit system updates in increments of 15 minutes. So if a discrepancy was observed between the posted limit and the conditions at that time, it was likely because the system hadn't updated yet. He said managers did lower the limit on parts of the Coquihalla yesterday because of the storm. He also added... Whatever the posted limit may say, it's still the responsibility of drivers to change their speed according to conditions. If you see the conditions are deteriorating, slow down. Paul Johnson, Global News. A state of emergency has been declared in Armstrong due to flooding. The declaration comes after a night of heavy rain. Many low-lying areas of the North Okanagan community are affected, including basements and an assisted living facility where residents have had to be moved out of the bottom floor. We are also seeing damage in the South Okanagan. A road washed out on the east side of Skaha Lake between Penticton and Okanagan Falls, affecting a subdivision there. And this was the scene at the Ogopogo Motel and RV Park in Penticton. The skateboard park, ready for swimmers rather than skaters. Rain, snow, hail, we've actually seen it all today. Meteorologist Christy Gordon has a closer look at all this crazy weather packed into one day. Christy? 
Yeah, we knew almost anything could happen today, and it definitely did. Cortez Island woke up to six centimeters this morning. This could have happened anywhere on the south coast, and Tofino had enough snow to make a rare coastal snowman. Higher terrain, like Port Alberni and the North Shore, saw a period of wet snow, while parts of Burnaby, Coquitlam, and North Vancouver got hammered with hail and icy rainstorms. As forecasted, it was very localized, but it sure was tough to see while many of us are looking forward to spring and some areas still have more of it on the way i'll show you which when i come back that poor daffodil took a beating didn't it yeah right now though an important traffic note for anyone driving around the downtown core over the next few days in just a few hours from now the georgia viaduct will shut down to traffic for the entire weekend jill bennett is live downtown and jill this all has to do with the junos what's going on that they need to close the viaduct (laughs) Well, a pivotal part of the Juno celebrations is going to be taking place on the viaduct. And that means that at 9 o'clock tonight, it will close to all vehicle traffic so setup crews can move in. More than 20,000 vehicles travel over the Georgia Viaduct every day. But that number will be significantly reduced this weekend down to zero. You heard that the viaduct's being shut down to become a red carpet for the Junos this weekend? No, I had no idea. The city gave one week's notice to residents that the Georgia Viaduct would be closing. That means drivers leaving Vancouver won't be able to access the route and will have to find another way out of the city. The decision was to close uh, the Georgia Viaduct for the weekend to support the Junos and the big red carpet event. And that's it's really as we did with uh, filming Deadpool, uh, it brings a lot of uh, business and a lot of uh, and attention to Vancouver. In 2015, the viaduct was closed for 14 days as an elaborate, action-packed stunt scene took over the roadway during the filming of Deadpool, starring Ryan Reynolds. This time, the viaduct is closing so crews can set up a red carpet environment, according to a city news release, one that will include tents, structures, and technical elements. It will be used for a Juno's event on Sunday. There's sports games and they film movies here, and so we're kind of used to, I'm at least kind of used to sort of finding a new road home every night. It doesn't really affect me at all, to be honest. It doesn't really affect me. I walk most places. Uh, I'm actually quite perturbed about the viaduct being closed all weekend. It's quite, it's in use by many people. Everybody uses this thing, and just for the Junos, like, that's a bit crazy. The city says the cost of traffic management while the viaduct is closed will be the responsibility of the event organizer. Pedestrians will still be allowed on the viaduct during the closure. All right, Jill, uh, do we know exactly when it's all going to reopen to drivers? We do. So the city has said the reschedule or the scheduled reopening of the viaduct will be around 3 a.m. Monday morning. So by then, we should see crews have cleaned up all of the tents, uh, the red carpet that will be there this weekend, uh, saying that it will be fully reopened in time for the morning rush hour. Chris? All right. Thanks very much, Jill. Leading to the bad dad joke. Do you know how bad traffic's going to be this weekend? (laughs) So bad. He's been working on that for at least 20 seconds. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That was good. I liked it. All right. A new eye-catching installation in downtown Vancouver is part of the build-up for what's expected to be one of the biggest movies of the year. That is Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. It's hitting theaters next weekend based on the bestseller set in the year 2045. This three-story structure in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery mimics the stacked apartments in the movie and the fictional living conditions of the future. 
Visitors can play retro arcade games and get a taste of the film's VR special effects. The display will be in place, they tell us, through tomorrow. So get down there and try it if you want. With encounters between humans and wildlife steadily increasing every year, the work of B.C.'s conservation officers has never been more critical. And now they are getting attention from around the world for their special training, including CSI-style investigating. Linda Aylesworth reports. If we have an issue, we go to Chilliwack Hospital. In the woods near Cultus Lake, a crime scene. 12 clear. Safety's off. It's not a real crime scene, but you'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference. 12 clear. This whole week is all about preparing ourselves, uh, planning and responding to uh, the extremely rare events of an of animal attacking a person. The mock scenario? A fatal attack by a wild animal has taken place. The rogue killer could still be around, ready to pounce again. And it happens so quickly that you don't have time to think about it. And that's why the training is so important. It falls down to muscle memory, and that's what we're teaching here today. Another important lesson, how to identify the animal responsible. For this, they enlist mannequins with wounds that match those of actual victims. And we got some bruising from the incisor teeth. The bite patterns, the DNA left behind, clues that help ID more than the species that did this. We're there to protect the animals and make sure if one of these incidents happen, that we just target the individual animal that's involved. BC's predator attack team is a leader in this field. Their expertise is sought throughout North America. This week, 10 Alberta Fish and Wildlife officers joined the training session. These events are extremely rare. So we don't get to see this stuff very often. So this type of training where we can all participate and, and uh, get involved in this is, is very valuable. Claws are different than teeth, where teeth give round holes. Claws give triangular holes, so you can, the, the claw fits right in. When the five-day course ends, they'll share what they've learned with their fellow officers. So should the unthinkable happen, they can be confident that the animal responsible is no longer a danger to the public. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Millions of people around the world will turn out their lights at 8.30 tomorrow night to mark Earth Hour. But B.C. Hydro says British Columbians seem to be losing interest. Hydro says it's seen a significant decrease in recent years in the number of B.C. homes participating in Earth Hour. Seven in ten British Columbians say they'll take part tomorrow, but Hydro says chances are most of them won't. BC Hydro saw just a 0.3% power saving last year, a fraction of the savings just 10 years ago. I'm here today because they risked their life. The survivor of a fire in New York City chokes up as he recalls how firefighters pulled him out of his burning apartment building. One firefighter died while taking on the blaze. It broke out while actor-director Edward Norton was shooting a movie. No word on the cause of the fire yet. An armed extremist linked to ISIS killed three people in southern France today before dying in a police raid. The 26-year-old attacker hijacked a car, killing the driver, and killed two more people when he took hostages in a supermarket. Police stormed the store after a police officer who offered to trade places with a female hostage was able to leave his phone on, allowing police to listen in and time their assault. The suspect is identified as a Moroccan-French national with a history of petty crime. 
Dramatic video out of California tonight shows a good Samaritan risking his own life to save another driver. Bill, is he okay? The SUV had flipped on its side during flash flooding in Santa Clarita. The good Samaritan climbing onto the side of the vehicle and using a rock to smash a window, pulling the driver to safety. The driver says he didn't realize how deep the rushing water was. Well, earlier this week, we showed you the rescue off Vancouver Island of a stellar sea lion with a nylon rope cutting into its neck. As Nadia Stewart reports, it's highlighted once again the threat to our oceans from plastics and has critics blasting the federal government for what they say is Ottawa's hypocrisy. For this crew from the Vancouver Aquarium, it's become an all-too-familiar sight. We've had several reports of uh, sea lions entangled in gear, garbage, um, mostly plastic garbage. A stellar sea lion just off the coast of Vancouver Island, the latest victim. Oh my gosh, it's in there. What nearly killed her, now the focus of a modest but crucial investigation. It's black and shiny, so uh, a shiny fiber like this usually is a good sign that it's a uh, polymer. In other words, plastic. Its origins still unclear. It could be part of a net, it could be part of a rope or, or some, other, uh, some other line that's used in shipping or aquaculture. Regardless of where it came from, it isn't going anywhere. Researchers say this kind of man-made synthetic material is built to last. Problem is, it's ending up here, where it's slowly breaking apart. What scientists refer to as microplastic pollution. This is an item that is likely to be with us for hundreds, if not thousands of years, but it's going to be present in smaller and smaller particles. From BC to Bali, the trash is breaking down, ingested by sea animals and eventually by us. Canada now spearheading an effort to have G7 nations pledge to end microplastic pollution. But activists say it's all just talk. Now it's reached critical mass where it's starting to um, create a real problem for communities up and down the coast and not just here in Canada, around the world. He and others are calling for a ban on these synthetic materials, hoping to turn the tide on the ocean's plastic blight before it's really too late. There's your eyes. Nadia Stork, Global News. Uh. In Health Matters tonight, the Vancouver Public Library has reversed its earlier decision and will now allow some of its staff to administer naloxone to drug overdose victims. The library came under criticism early this week when it announced that even staff who were trained to administer naloxone would not be allowed to and would instead have to call 911. Well, tonight the library says staff who have been trained to administer naloxone can do so if they see someone overdosing. A new U.S. study says older women who take antibiotics for long periods may have a higher risk of early death. Tulane University researchers tracked 37,000 women over the age of 60. They found those who took antibiotics for two months or longer were 27% more likely to die from any cause and 58% more likely to die from cardiovascular disease. Experts say women with prolonged antibiotic use may be sicker in general, but doctors should emphasize risk control over medication for older women. Global and the Vancouver International Auto Show are giving you the chance to win a Chevrolet Bolt EV. Today's code word is pickup truck. Enter now. Well, a lot of people will know this, but it was French poet Anatole France 
who once famously said, until one has loved an animal, a part of one's soul remains unawakened. And as Kylie Stanton reports on this International Puppy Day, there's a growing body of evidence that it lifts more than just the spirit. This is Pompeii. They may be young, seven months, and a lot of work each with a personality of their own. He's such a good boy. But there seems to be only one way to sum up how these pet owners feel about their puppies. You love Pompeii, don't you? I love her so much. Today is a chance to celebrate that love. It's International Puppy Day. And that means cuteness overload online, where puppy owners and puppy lovers are paying tribute to their furry friends. The posts are trending, with some saying, we got a puppy for International Puppy Day, while others are declaring it the best day ever. <laughs> Those lucky enough to work here at Copeman Healthcare, where therapy dogs in training are paying a visit, would have to agree. He's so sweet. And they can be pretty smart as well. You can teach them to sit, lie down, roll over, and but it turns out dogs can also teach us a thing or two mainly healthy habits their boundless energy forces us to get outside which results in pet owners being two and a half times more likely to get the recommended levels of exercise and the benefits go on from there good boy in terms of lowering blood pressure lowering anxiety and uh, research has shown that actually pets can lower neurochemicals like uh, serotonin and dopamine. Hi, baby. A few minutes here is all the proof you need. She's like my best friend. He makes me so happy. Yeah, he just provides sort of unconditional love. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. We have to see a lawyer right away? What guy wants to hear that coming back from a road trip? Sounds bad, but it's actually the opposite. The full story coming up right after the forecast. It's the kind of news we all want to hear. That's absolutely right. <laughs> all right. Uh, poor folks up in Fort St. John, though, Christy. Bad news for them. I know. We're talking about a little bit of wet snow, the barely accumulated. Meanwhile, this is what Fort St. John woke up to, 20 centimeters of snow. And they had have a ton of it, uh, even in, about, I think, 24-hour, sorry, 48-hour period that had close to 40. Here's a look at how much snow they saw throughout the month of March. 78 centimeters. They're average 29. They are 50 centimeters above average. It has been a tough March for you. Meanwhile, uh, for our region, this was our tower cam shot about a half an hour ago. I wanted to show you it because look at how dark that cloud is. And that's what we're going to be contending with through the evening hours. So we do have a risk of thunderstorms still. Can you see them scattered all across the south coast with the lightning strikes? And this area right here, yes, that is that big dark cloud about to push in. So watch for lightning strikes tonight. We will see brief downpours of hail as well. And as I mentioned earlier, some parts of the south coast still could see some wet snow over higher terrain. We're not done with this instability. I'll show you which areas have the potential in a second, but first, we are seeing significant snow on the mountains, including the local mountains. 30 centimeters in the last 24 hours for the local mountains. Here's a quick look at Whistler today. Just fantastic weather for spring weather. I remember skiing over spring and uh, getting burnt by the sun. And now they're just getting pummeled with, uh, with snowfall. But also the mountain passes are seeing it as well. It is a tough go.
Chicago, and it is dry for the most part, but all of a sudden you'll run into a brief period like you saw there on the connector, and it is a complete whiteout. This is your Saturday, so light flurries in through the BC Peace River area. Finally, a break for you. All warnings have ended, and across the south, some nice sunshine for your Saturday, except for those of you in the Kootenai region. Snow overnight, a good five to six centimeters expected. So east coast of Vancouver Island, that's where we still have the potential of some wet snow. Sunshine Coast and out in the Fraser Valley, Metro Vancouver, just a mix of sun and clouds, slight chance of showers along the North Shore, but all areas will be a little unsettled still on Sunday, but not a bad weekend as you can see here. I'll leave you with this nice shot from Alexander Fontaine, of course, for Puppy Day. Nice, nice shot, puppy. So cute. Uh, okay, back to the big surprise. Hamilton's Sandra Donaldson was keeping a huge secret from her husband, Bob, and it was killing her. But she waited until he got back from a trip to China to spring it on him. She had a little fun with it because it didn't start off sounding very good. I didn't want to tell you over the phone. I didn't want you to freak out. Bad news is we have to stay away. Just open it. Well, on that sheet of paper, Sandra telling Bob they had just won more than $23 million on Lotto 649. The best part, besides the $23 million, mm-hmm. Bob usually buys the lottery tickets himself. But Sandra bought this one because he was on the other side of the world. How well, did she keep a secret? Well done. I don't know how she did that. No. I don't know how she kept that a secret. She could have just kept it a secret and then... For a moment, he thought he was going to lose a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. At least half of it, yeah. probably. Uh, okay, speaking of keeping secrets from people, back to the Junos for a second now. Eight-time Junio, uh, Juno Award winner Jan Arden and Grammy-winning producer Bob Rock are co-hosting the 2018 Songwriters Circle this weekend. That's not the secret. You're going to learn more about that on the Saturday morning news tomorrow. But right now, they sat down with our Lynn Collier, and they had a message specifically for Squire about your desk drumming talents. (laughs) I had this great conversation with Squire, and I noticed that he kept thumping on the table, almost like finger drumming all the time. And my advice to you is actually spend a few bucks, get a drum kit, find a little closet Stop somewhere using in your pencils. house. Stop using pencils in your fingers. Actually buy a drum kit. You might enjoy it a little better. Huh? Good advice. I am a steering wheel virtuoso. Don't you have a drum kit at home? <laughs> no. I have oh, neighbors I in an did. apartment who would not like me very much. But I, I kind of got ahead of them on this one. See what my good friend Sophie bought me one time? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, drumstick oh. pens. They are dual drumsticks. <laughs> that is very cool you brought those. Uh, tickets, by the way, are still available for the Songwriter Circle through Ticketmaster, and you can you can watch that full interview on the weekend. And I and I did get a chance, yeah, and I did get a chance to talk to Bob Rock because, of course, he was involved very heavily in Little Mountain Sound, which was the epicenter of music in the '80s, and we'll have that later next week. See. Puppies are great, but sometimes there are accidents. Clean up. We're learning. Clean up. Inside out baggy. Okay. Sorry I mentioned that at dinner. Uh, The Vancouver Whitecaps, who are home to the LA Galaxy tomorrow, are no longer seen red. They won their appeal of Kendall Waston's red card from last weekend's game against Atlanta. Waston was tossed out of that game rather early, I might add, after the referee looked at a replay of a supposed elbow to the face of Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. 
Now, the replays he was looking at weren't exactly Soccer's version of the Zapruder film. They weren't clear on what happened, and that was the foundation of the Whitecaps' argument. This is the angle the referee was looking at. You can't really tell if there was a flagrant elbow thrown there. Here, it looks like Waston is bumped into. His arm does hit the opposition player, but not in a flagrant manner. It wasn't uh, an elbow that was intended to do damage. It was His arm was there, and the guy ran into his arm. So it is the right decision. Uh, good to know that the process does work. It's, it's an independent uh, uh, review. It's ultimately they they determined that uh, it didn't deserve a red. Yeah, I yeah, know. We're talking about it. We're, yeah. It's very important that we discuss it. I think I, I think they're right to rescind it. Okay, Canucks St. Louis. Of course, Canucks won in Chicago last night. Opening minute, Patrick Berglund scores. Now the Blues are still fighting for a playoff spot. They're not in a playoff spot right now, but they're just outside of the wild card position, so they have something to play for. Uh, well, that's a nice save there by Jake Allen off Derek Pouliot. Canucks actually outshot the Blues 12-4 in the first grade. Oh, no! Mistake on the power play. It's Berglund again. Shorthanded. 2-0. But then, for the first time in a while, not quite as long as a Henrik Sedin drought, but first goal in 26 games for Sam Gagne from Henrik Sedin, who scored last night, just his third of the year. Henrik Sedin's was his third of the year. That's Gagne scoring its 2-1 Blues in the second. career goal. The Canucks are within one. Okay, here's one of the weirdest goals you'll ever see. Alex Goligoski's shoot-in gets caught in Cam Ward's skate. Nobody knows where it is, and he eventually, as you can see it there, caught between the blade and the boot, he puts it behind the line before the ref blows the whistle. So here's the decision. The puck is caught in the goaltender's skate. His skate crosses the line completely, so we have a goal. Wow, this event, and it is All right. about much more. I've than never just seen golf. that before. To uh, match play: Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford, Bernd Wiesberger of Austria. Turning to Hadwin needs a win to advance to the final 16, or the Sweet 16, if you like. 11th hole—that's a long birdie. Squares the match up. 17th hole, Hadwin with a clutch 25-footer. Goes one up. 18th hole, Wiesberger. This is for Bird. Puts the pressure on Hadwin. Hadwin has to make his birdie to win the match. Doesn't do it. Comes up short, so Hadwin does not move on to the final 16. I know. Another local guy. Vancouver's Vashik Pospisil at the Miami Open against uh, Andre Rublev's second round action. Pospisil was actually down 5-1 at one point in the first set. Roared back, won five straight, and then won the tiebreaker. Second set, Pospisil. Big forehand winner, nice. Up 5-3, match point. Rublev goes in to the netting. And Pospisil moves on to the third round, 7-6, 6-4. Rublev was actually seated 27th. There you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. Thanks, Squire. You're welcome. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Thank you, Sophie. A Richmond City Councilor is coming under fire from local farmland owners over a controversial tweet he sent out. We'll have the details and reaction. You guys hear me? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We feel like your mic might not be. Oh. Something about the Rio Theater. How about this? You got me now? 
Well, oh. we can hear you because you're standing okay. next to us. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about oh, the real theater. Oh, They're there doing is. very well in their uh, Save the Rio campaign. We'll tell you how much they've raised so far and what the goal is for the next 10 days. They're how about now? Can you hear me yeah, now? Yeah, we can <laughs> hear you now. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. That and a lot more coming They're up They're keeping tonight. it real. Yeah. Uh, Squire Barnes is up next with satellite debris. But first, Kasha Badurka with five more things to do this weekend. Kasha? Well, it's been called that really an art be- that uplifts and transcends. Shen Yun is at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre this weekend, pushing the boundaries of the performing arts with the beauty of Chinese dance and cutting-edge innovation. Expect breathtaking visuals, high-tech backdrops, and a live orchestra. If you love vintage and unique artisan goods, head to the hand-picked vintage market in Abbotsford. There you'll find a wide range of exciting products, both new and old, that promise to delight and adorn you and your home. Spring is in the air, and until March 29th, kids get in free at Van Dusen Garden in Vancouver. This 55-acre botanical garden is considered to be one of the top 10 public gardens in North America. Another great spot to explore for March break is the Steveston Museum. Go on a self-guided tour and learn all about the region's unique heritage. And don't forget to do the history scavenger hunt. For the home reno and decor enthusiasts, head to the North Vancouver Spring Home Expo. See the newest and the best of everything for your home, garden, and outdoor living space over three action-packed days. For more on this, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. This program is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners, plus get the best roadside assistance. This is your snow report for this March the 23rd, where a lot of us have some fresh powder on the ground. 23 to 25 centimeters of snow fell on the ground throughout Whistler Blackcomb as well as Grouse. They now have 430 centimeters of snow on the ground at Grouse. Revelstoke picked up 20 centimeters of snow. Powder King picked up 10, bringing it up to a snow base of 270 centimeters of snow. Big White just picked up about 10 centimeters of snow. 10 centimeters fell throughout Sun Peaks. Oh, now I'm drumming on the desk. See, everybody's doing it. It's addictive. Mm -hmm. Here, here's some sticks for you. Can Taylor Swift play the drums? Can Taylor Swift, I don't know. She can do anything. She can play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Can she sing and run on the treadmill at the same time? Apple Music asked that question. Here we go. Man, I hate cardio. Activity playlist, running, hashtag gym flow, Drake and Future. All right. Does her own stunts too? Did I mention that? (laughs) He kept going though. I know. She's a pro. Okay, so Apple Music again, this time John Cena and Shaquille O'Neal. Oh. Here we go. 
we need a bigger car. No, no, I think we can make it work. Oh, here she comes. She's a man eater. <laughs> Mama said, knock you out. Huh. Mama said, knock you out. Going down the street, smoking me and those. My dream is like this. Don't don't step in, don't don't do that. Don't don't beat. Don't don't don't. Is there any way that we can make them stop? <laughs> Who doesn't love Shaq? Okay, uh, last, um, keeping with the music theme, uh, He-Man and Skeletor. Little Dirty Dancing oh. homage. Here we go. Can't wait. supermarket and now they feel epic Christine, me out a little bit. A warning for the children might have been appropriate. <laughs> yeah. The bartender that. was feeling it though, wasn't he? I think more of a warning for people who grew up at that time. Yeah, yeah you probably. <laughs> I love don't know that what cartoon. the heck that is. Yeah, I love it too. Okay. Uh, who was oh. missing in that cartoon? Ooh. The Mighty Battle Cat. Oh, I was just thinking about who that. Who was originally Cringer. 